Hello, my name is Robbie Bond. I'm 12 years old. I'm the founder of a nonprofit called Kids Speak for Parks. Um, Kids Speak for Parks is all about educating and advocating for the protection of our national parks and also explaining to people and especially kids how they as an individual can make a difference and help protect the national parks. And the ideal world for me, like a world where everything's a better place, would be if all these amazing national parks kept their protections and stayed pristine so people can enjoy visiting them. Aloha. I'm Mark Laren Young, and welcome to SCANA, a podcast about oceans, ecoethics, and the environment for fans of fact-based reality and reality-based facts. Some people I know got Disney Plus for The Mandalorian. Some people got it for Hamilton. Rain and I got Disney Plus to watch the Marvel Hero Project featuring one of our heroes, Robbie Bond. When I was working on my first book for younger readers, Orcas Everywhere, I wanted to tell the stories of some amazing kids from around the world who were fighting for our environment. One of those kids was Robbie Bond, who started fighting for America's national parks when he was eight, and he lived in Hawaii, one of my favorite places on the planet. Robbie and I have connected on email a few times over the years, and every time we were about to talk for Scanna, he had something new and amazing in the works that he wasn't quite allowed to talk about yet. When I heard that Marvel Comics was doing a TV series about young people who are leading the world, we had to wait for that. Marvel didn't just share his story. They turned Robbie into a superhero with the power to teleport, which would definitely make it easier for him to visit all the national parks he's fighting to save. We held off on talking again when we found out Robbie was about to be named one of the winners of a Diana Award in honor of Princess Diana given to global youth leaders between the ages of 9 and 25. Today, Robbie is 12. We recently connected on Zoom, and Robbie is now officially one of my favorite Marvel superheroes. As always, this is brought to you by the listeners who sponsor us at Patreon.com. So please join our pod at Patreon. We've got all sorts of special perks for our patrons, and your sponsorship will help us share more stories like this more often. You can also help us out by buying my books at scanna.org and orcaseverywhere.com. I've got one book for adults, The Killer Whale Who Changed the World, and three books for younger readers, Orcas Everywhere for middle school and readers of all ages, Orcas of the Sailor Sea for elementary school readers, and for babies, Big Whales, Small World. And almost all of these are now available as audiobooks. Check out your favorite audiobook provider. And now, in honor of Robbie and all the other young Marvel heroes, Avengers Assemble, Flame On, Excelsior, and it's clobberin' time, true believers. Let's teleport you into Robbie's world where we talk about nurturing nature, the importance of parks, and how young people can make a difference. It is so nice to finally be talking to you after all this time. Mm -hmm. So 
I'm I'm so glad I'm so glad you're doing this. I'm so glad we can we could finally make this happen. Mm -hmm. It's nice to talk to you as well. Let's start out with because these are such strange times. How are you and where are you? Um, I'm doing great. I've been finding ways to fill up time during the quarantine by getting out of the house and like picking up trash and going on bike rides with my parents. And actually just yesterday I went out and played golf with my dad, which was fun. And um, right now I live in Reno, Nevada. I moved here from Hawaii. Yep, I remember when we first started uh, started virtually chatting, you were in Hawaii, or I think you, you were either in Hawaii or you just moved. I think we just moved back to Hawaii. Yeah. So what's happening in Reno, Nevada? What, why there? Um, I came here for schooling because Hawaii has, you can't really take classes above your grade level. So I moved to Reno, Nevada, which has a really good school called Davidson Academy, which allows you to take classes at University of Nevada, along with the normal classes that you take for your age. Fantastic. So when all this COVID lockdown wraps up, that's the school I'll be attending. Now, I'd love you to explain how old you were when you got into saving parks, because you know, I put you in the book work as everywhere because I thought it was so inspiring that you started at such a young age. I mean, you're 12 now, but you've been doing this for a while. Can you talk about when you started yeah. and how you started? Well, a lot, I answer this question a lot, but what I don't say a lot is that even though I started my nonprofit that's dedicated to protecting the parks when I was nine, I've actually been working with my grandpa and my dad and my mom on picking up trash on our beaches in Hawaii ever since I was about like three or four with my parents because my grandpa was the director of a, um, a marine preserve. And I go there a lot with my grandpa and my mom and dad and pick up trash. So ever since I was three, I've been helping. Can you talk about falling in love with nature at such a young age? Cause that's just amazing. Right. Um, how I really fell in love with nature outside of Hawaii. Cause obviously I've loved Hawaii just forever because I was born there and I grew up playing at the beach and things like that. But how I grew up to love the national parks is when I moved to California, me, my mom, and my dad went on a road trip and visited a lot of the parks in the West. And I realized just how beautiful these places are. And when I heard that they were, like the current administration was trying to cut the, like, the protections on them, I was really concerned because I love these places and I don't want to see them get destroyed or not be the same way that they were when I first visited them. Now, what inspired you to go, I'm going to do this myself? Like, what inspired you to be the person who jumped in to make a difference? Well, what inspired me to jump in and just go head first into advocacy and, think, and protecting these parks is I really credit my mom and dad for supporting me. Because honestly, I thought back when I started this that I wouldn't be able to make as much of a difference as I'm making now just because I had a mindset where since I'm a kid, I wouldn't be able to make as much difference as an adult. But I realized that kids can make just as much, if not more, like of a difference than adults. And what made you see that? What helped you see that? What helped me see that was just the support from my parents and my friends and my natural drive to help these places that I love because I realized that not that many people are trying to help this issue. 
like you hear a lot of people helping with climate change and plastic pollution, but I wanted to focus on something that really matters as well, which is the national parks. Which parks have you visited? Which parks sort of really inspired you? Um, I started with visiting the, well, I'll, I'll explain more. Um, so back in 2017, when I started my nonprofit, President Trump reviewed to like shrink 27 national monuments. So I started out just trying to visit those, but I shifted towards visiting like any national park that I could. So I'd say I visited probably over 40 and my favorite one so far is called Grand Staircase Escalante. Tell me about that. I know nothing about it. Okay. Um, it's in Utah in America and it's really cool canyons and like these little tiny canyons that you can go hiking in and sometimes they're super deep and you can climb into the canyons and hike through them and there's slides and things like that. It's like a natural playground with just these really small, amazing canyons that you can go into. Wow, how did you get to travel to all these different places? That's fantastic. Um, we just drive around and visit national parks. Since we're not in Hawaii, we can just drive to Utah or drive to California. And my grandma and grandpa live in California, so we visited some of them there. And along with a lot of them in Hawaii. Fantastic. Uh, can you tell me about some of the parks in Hawaii? Sure. I visited three parks in Hawaii. Um, I can't I can't pronounce one of them, but I visited one that's about um, like Native Hawaiian heritage. It's like a heritage site and like petroglyphs and things like that. Uh, it's who now now something like that, but I I can't pronounce it. But um, I also visited Hawaii Volcanoes National Park in Haleakala. And I really liked Haleakala just because of how much the scenery changed going through the parks. Like you'd see these like volcanic rocks at the bottom and then you'd go up into these super cool like rainforests at the top. Which was I, really interesting. I've spent a lot of time there and one of the things that really hit me is that at each level as you're going up, that, up the volcano, the air is different the the foliage is different like everything differs depending on what level you're at which just blows right. my mind mm -hmm. so. it's also like that with hawaii volcanoes it was super like drastic from the bottom and the top in haleakala and that was what really interested me or interested yeah that's the worst. there's a artist residencies and i've applied for the ones i've been shortlisted for both haleakala and volcanoes but i haven't made it yet but so I've never been to the volcano. I've never been to the volcanoes park, but it sounds amazing. Can you tell me a bit about that one? My favorite part was visiting, I think it's called Kilauea Crater. It was one of the spots that got really changed by the eruptions, I think in 2018. And it was super big and there was tons of smoke coming out of it. And it was really interesting to look at. And we visited these natural like vents where steam would come out of them. And that was super interesting. And we filmed Hawaiian rock art or petroglyphs, which are really interesting to look at. And oh, when we visited Hawaii volcanoes, I was actually filming as a part of the Marvel Hero Project. So I got to bring them along to, with my visit to the national parks. And we filmed me visiting schools and speaking to school kids and 
educating them about the importance of the national parks. So that was that was amazing. Okay, you have to tell me about being a Marvel superhero. That's so cool. I actually have my comment just in case you asked. I'll get it out. How you have a comic? I do. It's in the spots. Okay, that is awesome. <laughs> oh my god, that is the coolest thing ever. Mm -hmm. And I gave it out to some of my wow. friends. And it even has some pictures and it talks about my work with visiting the national parks and how I've tried to restore the boundaries of certain national parks. Yeah. Okay, and that is so cool. So I, as, as a comic nerd, I have to ask who wrote that, who drew that? Does it, does it say? Yes, it says on the, one of these pages. And I actually got to meet the colorists of this when I went to Marvel's headquarters when they were moving out. They were moving out of their old headquarters, so I got to see, like, the Iron Man suit, and it was really fun to watch. Um, oh, wow. So Brian Smith was the writer. David Baldion, I think that's how you pronounce it, some French. Uh, I actually met her. Rachel Rosenberg was the colorist, and I got to meet her. Oh, very cool. So mm -hmm. how did the comic come about? Like, was that a total surprise? Or? It was a total surprise. Um, so what, what Marvel said is they said they were coming in to film me speaking to my school that I go to now, or not go to now, but used to go to, uh, in Reno. And they surprised me by bringing in the comic to all my friends who were watching me. So that was really fun. And, and my grandpa came in and handed the comics out, which was a lot of fun. Wow. Okay. So you have to tell me about, explain the Marvel project, because when we were finally set up, you said that was happening. And I'm like, okay, we have to wait till that happens. And you just keep having cool things. And I think, you know, you keep having these amazing things happen. You have to tell me all about Marvel. Right. So Marvel's hero project originally approached me and they didn't tell me anything about filming until we, until like a bit before we actually filmed it. So that was cool. And when I went up to New York City to see the screening of my episode, I actually got to see six of the other kids' episodes, and they were super cool. It was a group of 20 kids, and I got to meet, well, I didn't meet all of them, but I spoke to all of them, like, just through Instagram and things like that. And it was really cool to meet them and hear about all their different projects that they're working on, because it's a really di diverse group of people. And if you're looking for other people to go on the podcast, then they're a good list. Definitely. That's very cool. Now, the other thing we delayed for was your award that you got on Canada Day. Tell, you have to tell me about this. The Diana Award? Or... Yes. Yeah. Um, Congratulations. That's amazing. We were honestly more shocked for the Diana Award than the Marvel Hero Project. Because when we applied for this, we were like, there's no way we get it. We read through the people who applied for it. And like, there's so many cool kids that are getting these awards. And then when we got it, it was just amazing. We got to meet a bunch of cool people who like hosted the award. Unfortunately, we didn't get to go to London to get the award because of the travel ban and the lockdown. But it was still an amazing experience getting it. Now... I saw in People Magazine, were you, did you get it from Prince Harry? Like, what was the deal with that? Um, Prince Harry and a few artists and musicians from the UK hosted the virtual award ceremony and just talked to, well, didn't like talk to the kids, but just read out a list of the kids and what they did. 
So that was really cool. Unfortunately, I didn't get to meet any of the hosts, but I saw them online, which was nice. Very cool. What was the award officially for? Like, what did they, was there a special phrasing? Was there a special name for it or? It's called the, Diana, what's the, what, what's the age range for Diana? 11 through 25. 11 through 25. It's the, no, it's nine. Nine, nine through 25. And it's one of the best prestigious awards that you can get for humanitarian work. And it's just across, it, it's the whole world that can get it, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's so cool. Now, can you talk just a bit about what made you think, okay, I'm going to do a nonprofit. Like, how did that come about? How did you go from, I'm going to clean up parks and I'm going to, clean up the beaches to I'm going to start my own organization. Yeah, I, when I started it, I was honestly thinking, what are ways, what's the best way to spread this message to the most amount of people? And we started by thinking like TV shows, like a, like a podcast or a movie and things like that. But nonprofit was the one that we chose because we thought that it was like, it's like an organization that has, the options to do pretty much anything we want with it. So that's why we chose that. Now, how hard was that to establish? Like what's, what's involved? Were your mom and dad doing all the, I'm, I'm guessing it's lots of scary paperwork. So that, that's more of a mom and dad question. I don't think I was even allowed to sign the paperwork for that. Okay. Um, now I'm seeing the poster for chasing coral behind you. I'm wondering, mm -hmm. were there any, a lot of environmentalists I've talked to who are, you know, we'll talk about a book, a movie, something fictional that inspired them. Was there a story that really caught you as a kid? Was there a movie that really caught you as, you know, anything like that that you found really inspirational? Well, I can tell you're trying to remind me of something that I forgot. <laughs> um, what, another thing that inspired me to start this was, it sounds kind of silly, but it was the movie The Lorax. Because it has such a great message behind it that pretty much anyone can get behind. It's that anyone can make a difference as long as they put their mind to it. And especially involving like environmentalism and speaking up for the trees. I thought that's what, that's what I do. <laughs> that's fantastic. No, that's, I, I didn't realize this until I was making my documentary about orcas and the number of people I interviewed who said, yeah, I got into this because I saw Free Willy. Or, you know, there was some other movie, uh, Paul Watson was 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Jane Goodall, who I haven't been able to interview yet, was Dr. Doolittle. I, I met Jane Goodall. It was so cool. Oh, okay. You have to tell me about that because I haven't pulled that off yet. Um, I went to Colorado and she was giving a speech with a scientist. And they were kind of doing like a duo thing where the scientists would talk about all the science stuff. And she would talk about her experiences with going up to, I think she went to South Africa for the experiment and thing, something like that. And I got to meet her backstage and took a picture with her and asked her a couple of questions about what she does. And that was really interesting. And that was cool. Wow. Uh, anybody else who really inspires you who you've had the chance to meet because of doing what you do? Um, I met with the former director of the National Park Service in America. John Jarvis, and he's helped me a lot with just learning about the national parks and being a mentor to help me out with my nonprofit. 
Now, can you explain what your nonprofit does and how it works? Like, how do you try and move the dial on parks these days? Sure. Well, right now it's kind of on hold because I can't really go around visiting parks. But what I normally do is I go and visit parks and I speak to school kids near that er near the area and explain to them, as a kid, you have, it may seem like you don't have a lot of say in like you can't vote and you can't you can't drive and things like that, but you can still make a difference. And in fact, I think that kids can make even more of a difference than adults because we're going to be around to experience the consequences so we can be more driven to help change the world. And I explained what like small actions that kids can do, like picking up litter, like just how kids can help protect the national parks. And what sort of response do you get? Like what happens when you go into schools? Well, I've actually really never had a negative response. And some of the kids that I meet in the schools, I still talk to today. Like I met with a kid in Wyoming and he messages me saying, hey, where should I go to pick up trash? I love that. I, <laughs> and I asked him to download an app that I work for. Well, not work for, it's not work, but that I'm a partner with called Literati. It's a data collecting app that whenever you take a picture of trash, it saves like where the trash is, what time the trash was there, and like what, like if it's a Snickers bar, it'll say Snickers wrapper or something like that. And you can take the data that you gather with the app back to the companies or the manufacturers and sort of like hold them accountable for their trash that ends up in the national parks. That's fantastic. Okay, we have to make sure that you give me the website and everything so that I can share that with for the podcast because that sounds amazing. Now this is a mom. Mom, mom is not. She doesn't want to show her face on camera, but um, I do have a website and I have a Facebook and an Instagram page. Yep. Well, I'll definitely share all of that, but I want to make sure that I share Literati because that just sounds amazing. So well, you can email me that later, but we'll okay. we'll make sure that's in Literati there. Literati also has a website, and it's a free it's a free download app with no ads as well. Is that just in the United States, or will we um, be able no, to use it in Canada? In, it's actually the biggest in Canada and Europe. So okay, now you have to tell me about the ocean plant, the ocean program that you did when you were in Canada, and we weren't able to connect that on your trip. Right, and actually just wrapped up with the virtual camp, because normally it's like a convention, but this year is virtual. But when I went up to Canada, I went, went there for the Ocean Heroes Boot Camp, which is sort of like a summer camp. It's all about teaching kids about how they can start a campaign and how they can make their campaign like be successful about protecting the oceans. That's fantastic. And uh, tell me where it was, and I mean, uh, you've already told me, but tell yeah. podcast listeners where it was and it was what sort of stuff you got to do. University of British Columbia. It was, we got dorms and we got to meet a bunch of ocean protectors and we learned from mentors like the creator of the app, Literati. Um, he gave a speech about how you can use technology to help fuel your campaign. Nice. So I'm assuming you got to go to the Beatty Museum and check out the huge blue whale? Skeleton? Actually, mm -mm, we didn't. Oh, wow. You were at UBC and they didn't take you there. Okay. Sorry. Um, we, did, we did go to an aquarium. Okay. And really fun. I forgot what the aquarium was called, but it had sea otters and, and I think my favorite one was the crocodile that they had on display. That was fun. Vancouver Aquarium. So 
Very cool. And you were here for Canada Day last year. Can you tell me about that? I was. I went there and I stayed a bit after the boot camp ended to go. I think I went to, I don't remember what it was called, but I went to an island. We take, we took a ferry. That's where I am. So, oh, really? yeah. That's so cool. And, oh, wait, is, I think I actually did go to the museum. Is the museum on Vancouver Island? The, the Royal BC Museums of Vancouver Island, they're opening an orca exhibit. Well, they were supposed to be opening it two months ago that I was lucky enough to write. And now that's opening next year. I've done so much stuff that I really don't remember. <laughs> I do remember I bought this like trippy kaleidoscope thing from the gift shop. That's pretty much all I remember from that. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, what... Is there anything in particular that you say when you're visiting schools that really seems to resonate with young people? Not much really in particular, but there really is one thing that I always try and get across when I go to schools is that the problem with kids being activists is that a lot of times they don't really believe that they can make a difference. But I try and encourage kids that anyone who has the passion and the drive to make make a campaign or something like that they can make a difference as long as they try their best i love that well i figure just seeing you and seeing that you're doing this stuff at your age has got to be phenomenally inspiring if you're walking into a school yeah you know, i've been to a ton of schools but i don't think i've ever been to one in canada that could be a cool experience and what can you tell me like what the Marvel Hero Project is? Because I don't think that has shown up everywhere yet. Like where can we see it? What the what they're doing? And yeah, just a bit about it. It's on, it's on Disney Plus, and it's a kind of like a series of mini documentaries that are all about like twenty minutes long, and they're about a really gr diverse group of kids who are working to make the world a better place in their local communities. And I'm one of the like. I think there's 20, yeah, there's 20 kids in the group and I've met with a bunch of them and it's really fun and you can watch it on just any country in Disney plus. Fantastic. And we were talking about this online. Can you tell me about the first time you saw a whale? I actually have a video, but I can't show it right now because it's on my dad's phone. But the first time I saw a whale, I was going jet skiing with my dad and the whale was underneath our jet ski and it came out right next to us and it was honestly kind of terrifying but it was really fun <laughs> no i think you said that you said hi to it i did and i'm pretty sure as a kid i wasn't terrified like when i was like i think when i was four or maybe even younger but now that i'm thinking about it that must be really scary but i said hello mr whale and because i just was surprised by it. <laughs> One of the things that I find so amazing having, because I didn't come to Wales through a science background. I didn't come to any of this through a science background. My background is journalism and theater and comedy. And I just ended up in Wales, just sort of happened. And I'm floored by the fact that whales go out of their way not to hurt us that they do, that they'll surface next to us and they'll go, like there are some amazing videos where you'll see a humpback just flying out of the water, spotting a kayak, and then moving into some impossible position to avoid hitting 
the people in the kayak. It's right, because they're nice. They're nice animals. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it's, um, you know, like Paul Watson talks about having a whale flying out of the water and doing everything it could to not hurt him. It's just amazing to me. So I'm guessing you saw whales a fair bit living, living in Hawaii? Yep, and there's actually a kinda, kinda famous, kinda not. There's a lookout that looks over Hanama Bay and you can pretty much regularly see whales if you look hard enough. Very cool. What other good stuff should I know? Is there anything else you wanna make sure that you share that I get out there? When I was 10, I went up to Washington, D.C. to lobby for the extension of a, of a pass that I actually used when I was nine entering the parks called the Every Kid in the Park Pass, which lets fourth graders or kids who were 10 go to, go to national parks for free. And I lobbied for the extension of that. And it actually got, it, it got funded for, I think, seven more years. What did you do in Washington? Who did, who did you speak to? How does that work? Um, I spoke to several congressmen and women. Um, as a part of a group called Oak or Outdoor Alliance for Kids. And they were trying to pass a, like a package deal that would help protect the environment in America. And we got that passed. <laughs> now, one thing that I think that's really important, because I'm, I'm getting to speak to a lot of young people now, and it's not when you talk about them not thinking they can do anything. The other thing is being afraid to speak up. Right. And can you talk a little bit about how, like, do you get stage fright or anything like that? Or how do you deal with public speaking and sharing your thoughts and your passions on these issues? For the most part, I really don't get stage fright. But sometimes it is a bit difficult to be able to give a speech in front of a bunch of people. Like, it gets, it's not really frightening, just kind of stressful. So... How I get past it is I just practice a lot before I give the speech. So any advice that you give to students who want to do something and are afraid to or reluctant to or anything like that? Um, I think that you shouldn't be afraid to try something small, just like a small act, like getting plastic straws banned from your school or picking up trash like once a week or something like that because then you can build upon that. Like I didn't start by going to schools or start by speaking at convention. I started by just visiting national parks and then I realized how important these places are and I slowly gained more confidence and being able to speak regularly and have fun doing it. Now, are you doing anything with like marine parks as well? Like, sorry, or marine protected areas? I think there is the proper term in the States. You know, you get, you make, Great question, because I would have completely forgotten. <laughs> um, yeah, I work, well, not work. I keep saying work, but it's more fun. Um, I have another campaign called, called Kids Speak for the Oceans, or just Kids Speak for Oceans, which is dedicated to getting plastic pollution and single-use plastic, like bottles and bags and things like that, out of our normal national parks, but more specifically out of our marine national parks, because that's what, those are what's really like negatively impacted by single-use plastic or the fish and the animals in, in our national parks. Can you tell me just a bit more about Kids Speak for the Oceans and some of the, just any work that you're doing and a little bit more about why? 
oh, I'm actually kind of silly. It's not called Kids Speak for the Oceans. It's called Kids Speak for Clean Parks. I, I called, called it messed up. Okay. It's not about being a Kids Speak for the Oceans, but we already have Kids Speak for Parks, so we made it Kids Speak for Clean Parks. Excellent. Okay, mm -hmm. so can we talk just a little bit more about the ocean work? Just yes. in case I can, you know, sneak mm -hmm. this into the documentary I'm doing about uh, orcas. Actually, as a part of the Marvel's Hero Project, we took the film, like the producer and the, the filming crew out to a beach cleanup that we were partaking, or participating in, in one of the dirtiest beaches in Hawaii. It's a place where all of the, a lot of the trash pools and collects in one spot. And we went with a group called Sustainable Coastlines, and we picked up a ton of trash and we were able to show it on the Marvel's Hero Project. Wow. Okay. And so beyond, is there anything beyond the cleaning up the trash? Anything, can you talk about, can you talk a little bit about how the plastic is impacting the oceans and, and the fish? Um, and the whales. And the whales. You know, that's something I should be working on more because what I'm trying to do is get, just get it out of the parks not really doing like the damage control of the stuff that's already in the parks. So I'm really not working on that, but I should be. You're doing an awful lot. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, sometimes you... Oh, yep. My mom's like, VR! <laughs> I, I forgot to mention, I'm, one of the biggest things that I'm working on is making fun videos for kids to watch because a lot of kids aren't interested in this they're interested in watching youtube and netflix and not educational videos about the national parks so i'm making fun interactive virtual reality videos that really like get you invested in the national parks because a video is cool but it's not the same as actually being feeling like you're in the parks with the virtual reality so that's one of the biggest things that I'm working on now is spreading the word via virtual reality. Okay, that's amazing. How does somebody access one of your VR projects? Well, we aren't done yet because it, uh, we kind of got totally taken out by this pandemic. But um, once we're done, we partnered up with Google Expeditions, which is a free platform that teachers can use to show VR videos to kids with the Google Cardboard goggles. And I think you can just access the creators, the Google Expeditions creators videos just on their website. Okay, that's amazing. That and I'm is a so cool. With, with Google. Sorry, you're a? I'm a partner with Google Expeditions. Okay, that just sounds fantastic. Uh, which parks are you putting on VR? We started by filming Hawaii Volcanoes in the cleanup. That's going to be a VR video. But we're thinking about visiting a, like a super popular and well-known park, maybe something like Yellowstone or Yosemite. And we're thinking about just making super unique videos, maybe going to a, a park in Utah, like Bears Ears, or the one I was talking about, Grand Staircase Escalante. But right now we're just working on filming them, and then we'll try and get them out. That sounds amazing. Uh, any other, any other projects you're up to? Because it sounds like you're insanely busy in terms of different things, or you were before the world shut down. No, I'm really not insanely busy. I'm trying to be insanely busy, but I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
been watching TV. <laughs> but because of this pandemic, I've been focusing on small, like not smaller things, but things that people can just regularly do, like pick up trash, exercising while you're picking up trash. So small things that you can do that really do make a difference. Fantastic. Is there anything else you want to make sure we don't miss? You can just, if your mom's waving and going, anything else? No. <laughs> that was making like a short nomination. Oh, yeah. Um, I'm, I've lost my mind during this quarantine, but um, I actually just went up to the Navajo Nation, which is a Native American group that really got hit hard by the pandemic. So since the Native Americans, like, are like their own nation, the Navajo Nation. Uh, I'm, well, I really haven't been providing, but I've partnered up with a brand called Koya, which makes healthy drinks. And we've been donated that, we've been donating them and like masks, well not masks, but cleaning supplies like hand sanitizer and bottles, because they, they really are being hit hard by the pandemic. So we're trying to provide support for them. Fantastic. And where, geographically, where, where is this? Is this um, that geographically, where is in like Utah? It goes to several states, but most of it is in Utah. Oh, I was just wondering if it was like, if, if this was Nevada and somewhere you were easily visiting or anything like that. No, we have to drive like 10 hours to get there. Okay. Fantastic. And I saw you, you doing the bit with the dorsals. What was that about? Oh, my dad was trying to get me to talk about killer whales, but I really don't, really don't work with killer whales, but I feel like there's so many issues that I can't cover them all, but I'm really trying. That's okay. No, you're, you're doing an awful lot. It's very impressive. Any other, let's, any other messages you want to end off, off on? Anything else you want to make sure we hit? 100% I've forgotten something. Hey, mom, anything else? Got the A-OK. -okay. I think we did. Fantastic. Thank you so much for doing this, and thank you so much for all that you're doing. I'm so glad we finally pulled this off. Yeah, I'm, it's really nice to finally talk to you in person, not just emailing, because that's kind of lame compared to speaking. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Thank you so much, Robbie. It's been really great to meet you. And Thank you for the And congratulations again on the Diana Award, and... Good luck with all you're doing. Well, we'll see you hopefully soon. Absolutely. All right. Take well, care. Have a good day. Thanks again for checking out Scanna. Scanna is produced in Saanich, BC, traditional territories of the Wasanich, Songhees, and Esquimalt peoples. If you like what we're doing and want to help us share more stories about oceans, ethics, and the environment, and amazing people like Robbie Bond more often, please join Scanna's Pod at patreon.com. Even a dollar a month helps make this podcast possible. Our sponsors this episode include Joan Watterson, Solomon Siegel, Chantel Shawnee Surratt, Simon McNair, Darren Learn Young, Robert Anderson, Nancy Campbell, Yosef Wask, and The Green Channel. Please subscribe to the podcast and our newsletter and check out our show notes at scanna.org. You can also follow us on social media and please share the show with your friends, 
Share it with strangers, share it with enemies, share it with everyone. Everyone has a lot more time to listen these days. If this show doesn't work for you, I'm Dolly Parton, and this is Dolly Parton's America. Scanny is produced by the always awesome Rain Benu, associate producer and audio engineer Isabella Almashi, audio engineer, social media, and so much more by Asia Radigan. Our web wizard is Katie Brown. We've also had all sorts of help lately behind the scenes from Maeve Milligan, Cole Flick-Bellis, Joanne Juan, Kate waring Oxanen, and Brian Murphy. Scanna's theme, Scanna, is by Leah Abramson. We wanted to end off with a song BC singer Stephen Fearing and his friends Connie Caldor, James Keelahan, and Sherry Ulrich recorded in support of the Unison Fund. The Unison Fund supports the Canadian music community. To find out more and contribute, check out our show notes or visit unisonfund.ca. This is Hard Times Come Again No More. Let us pause in life's pleasures and count its many tears while we all suffer sorrow with the poor There's a song that will linger forever in our ears All hard times come again no more Tis the song the sigh of the days you have lingered around my cabin door oh hard times come again no more while we seek mirth and beauty music bright and gay there are frail forms fainting at the door though their voices are silent their pleading looks will say oh hard times come again no more tis the song the sigh of the weary hard times hard times come again no more many days you have lingered around my cabin door oh hard times come again no more there's a pale drooping maiden who toils her life away with a worn heart whose better days are old though her voice would be merry is sighing all the day Yeah.
come again no more Tis a sigh that is wafted Across the troubled way Tis a wave that is heard upon the shore Tis a dirge that is murmured Around Again no more.